And it reads, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together with, within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went in to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be strong than the other, stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled, for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a wild man. Dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright of this day. And Esau said, look. I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me, as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and divine word. One of the things that... At this time of year, and I think for anybody who's been with me, I typically like to do several things this time of year. Uh, one of them is I like to reflect on what God has done uh, previous year, and we kind of been talking about that. And, and number two, I like to take this time to speak vision, sense of direction in terms of, of where we're going as a people and as a church. And then I like to give practical application that will help you and empower you to have a wonderful year. Uh, and so I think that is incumbent upon all of us to do diligence to make sure that we apply ourselves so that we can thrive and become all that God wants us to become in 2013. I think it's not difficult, it is in some ways difficult to watch and see how that there, our society today is enamored uh, with stories of personal failures from people that we know, large figures, whether it be in sports, whether it be in politics, um, you name it. Uh, every time we turn around, we hear in us some moral failure. Now, we can write it off, as Christians often do. We can say, well, you know what? They're unbelievers. Some of them are, I'm sure. Uh, so that's just that has you know that has to do with them and that has no reflection really on me, you know, and we can just kind of cast it aside, or we can take the attitude that I take that whenever I see anybody uh, who have reputation who has status, it's a warning to me as a Christian of my responsibility and in fact the enormity of the task that I make sure that I keep my life straight. You see, it's one thing for an unbeliever or a, a non-believer to fail and to make moral decisions that are wrong and unethical. 
But how many know it's a whole different story if you're a Christian and you do that? Uh, you know the devil will come at you ferociously, you know, and it's almost like they're always waiting for some pastor, some man of God, somebody who represents the faith to fall flat. And understanding that, and I always take it as a warning, Jesus, as he, he, he so eloquently put it, that we're the light of the world. And so, and so understanding that, there is a level of, of I don't want to use the word pressure, but that's the best way I can describe it. I, I, I feel an impression to make sure that I live my life in such a way that I reflect the character of Christ. Why? Because the souls of men are at stake. You and I cannot afford to mess around with our destiny. You and I as Christians, we can't afford to play with sin. We can't afford to get involved in the things that everybody else is getting involved with or in because it's popular. We can't afford that because we understand that eternity screams out and that we are accountable to a holy God for how we live. And that the decisions that we make have eternal consequences, not just about you. But we must think about our life and how it affects everything else. That's why the Bible says, let him who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so when we talk about the issue we're going to talk about this morning, the issue of a birthright, and we'll, we'll kind of bring some clarity to what that is. We talk about birthright. It is, in essence, the, the fulfilling, the, the full measure, fulfilling the full measure of all that God has for us. The full measure. That means that, that we want to become everything that God wants us to be. That we don't want to stumble along the way. That we are those that raise the bar wherever we go. And that our destiny, our purpose is important. Your birthright and what God has called you to is extremely important. And it's so easy to just kind of gloss things over and to say, well, God will forgive me, and, and God is a God of grace. Yes, he's all of that. But, but how do you know that, that there is something every time we sin, every time we, we threaten our destiny, our calling, or who we are in Christ, we lose something that we can never get back. The enemy don't tell you that. All the enemy wants to tell people today, he, he's just a God of grace. He is a God of grace. Understand that. But behind me, know that, that, that the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? How many know that there's, a, there, there's, there's something that comes with when we don't follow through with who we are as a people? My job and my passion is to see each and every one of you to reach the full measure of the blessing of God in your life. And as we said before, and I want to, I want to really uh, turn with me to Jeremiah 29, 11. I think she had that verse. I want to read that. Turn with me to Jeremiah 29, 11. When you get there, say amen. amen. It's a passage of scripture, but I really wanted to settle in your spirit this morning because it's really the foundation of my message. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now understand the context by which this is written. The children of Israel at this time have been taken into captive. Captivity because of their disobedience to God. And so God had been telling them that they were in a foreign land. He wanted them to build houses, to stay put, to be blessed, have sons and daughters there. But in the process of all of that that they were going through, God says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will answer to you. Now, you hear us say this a lot, and, and I really want to drive home this, this point this morning. You hear us say that God has a plan for your life. How many of you really believe God has a plan for your life? Because when you understand, when you really embrace it, I want you to think with me. I want, you to, I want you to think with me. When you really embrace the reality of the fact that God has a plan for your life, you were predestined, predetermined. God has a plan for everybody who is sitting here this morning. I know you may be saying, well, Pastor, not, not me, you. He has a plan for your life. And just in case you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, that was just Jeremiah talking to the Israelite in those days. Well, let's take it fast forward to the New Testament. He says in Philippians 1.6, he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews 12.2 that he, meaning Jesus, watch this, is the author and the finisher of our faith. It also says in Philippians chapter number two that he wills in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. All that suggests one thing. God is at work in you. And there is something significant that God has for everyone in here to do. And so our whole life, our whole life is the consistent seeking the will of God trying to understand his purpose because we don't want to do anything that will threaten or get us off course of what God has for us. And how many know what God has for you is good? What God has for you is better than good. No matter what you find yourself going through, how many know if God is in it, you're going to win. It's good for you. If God is in it, it's good for you. And, and I love it because what it says to me, if, if God has a plan in my life, then it shapes how I treat people. It shapes places that I go. It shapes what I put in my body. It shapes what I do with other people because I understand that God has charted, charted a course for me. And, and, and I want to stay my course. As Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, he says, I finished the race. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, he said, he said I finished my course. He said, now is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord has given, not only to him, but to all those who believe. And so we want to have a testimony. You want to have a testimony. Man, I fought a good fight, but I stayed my course. I did what God wanted me to do. There were times when I stumbled, but I got right back on track. I finished my course. I fulfilled my ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your calling. So let's look at this thing of, let's go back to Genesis chapter number 25, if you will. Nobody will be lost in Genesis. Amen. You will know how to get to Genesis. Now, the birthright. Let's talk a moment about the birthright. <clears throat> the birthright from biblical times and ancient days is a right and privilege. Now, you need, to, you need to keep this in mind. Stay with me. Don't get lost. Please, stay with me. It's a right and privilege given to a person, especially the firstborn. Everybody say the firstborn. The firstborn son in biblical times. 
In Israel and the rest of the ancient world, the firstborn was entitled to a double portion. Everybody say double portion. So if you were the firstborn male, you were entitled to a double portion of the family possession. That means twice as much. You can find that in Deuteronomy 21:17. He also enjoyed the privilege of leadership in the family as the firstborn. Part of the firstborn benefit was that he would receive a special blessing from the father. As with the case with Jacob's sons and Israel, he blessed his boys. The loss of the birthright could be lost because it could be sold, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, or it could be lost for immoral reasons. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of his heavenly father and his earthly mother. He enjoys all the privileges of the Jewish birthright. How many know that all Christians share in the birthright, according to Romans 8:17? We are considered the church of the firstborn in Hebrews 12:23. Now, let's kind of look at the story here. Understanding the, the rights and the privileges of the firstborn, it was something that was very significant. It was something that was very, very powerful, and it was something that was coveted. It was something that was coveted. So we find in Genesis chapter number 25, we find that there are two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau was, they were twins, and Esau was the oldest of the two boys. And Esau grew up to be a hunter. He liked his guns, amen? For those of you who can understand that. He was a hunter. He loved to go out and hunt. He loved the game. He loved to, to kill some animals and eat them. And he was, if he was living today, he would be an A-plus member of the NRA. Esau was a gunsman. He was a sportsman. He was a man's man. Bible says he was hairy and red-like. He, he was a brute. He was a man's man. Amen? Loved his guns. And all the Marines said, amen. <laughs> Jacob, on the other hand, the Bible says, according to Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, says, it, says that Jacob was a man um, he, was a, he was a man, I'm sorry, uh, look at verse number, hmm, Esau, verse number 27, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents, so you see the contrast, Jacob was a man that liked to stay home, you can call him in today's terms, you can say mama's boy, or and I don't mean in a negative sense. I mean, no, I, mama's boys are perfectly okay. I don't, I don't get offended if you call me a mama's boy. I love my mama. <laughs> but, you know, he liked to dwell in the tents. He wasn't about the guns. He wasn't about hunting. He, he didn't care about it. He liked to stay home and cook. He liked to do the stuff in the front yard. He would be the guy that's out there making sure the lawn was manicured perfectly and making sure the shrubs and everything was cut neatly. He'd be the guy you drive by his house and say, look at that, man. That's, that's, that's nice. And you go and visit old brother Jacob. He could hook up some food. He could cook. Brother loved to cook. Ain't that right, brother Sean? 
Amen. He loves to cook. He didn't know he was going to be in his sermon this morning. Hallelujah. So we see these two brothers who are at a point in time where Jacob, Esau, I'm sorry, he goes out, he goes hunting, and he comes back. He's tired from a long day in the field. And uh, Brother Jacob is in the kitchen. He's cooking. Comes in, he says, Brother, Brother Jay, do me a favor. Can you give me some of that stew? I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. Come on, man, hook me up. Jacob, which another name, another name for his name is Surplanter, Deceiver. You look it up. Jacob, being a smart man, and Jacob was smart and shrewd, Jacob said, okay, I'll give you something to eat, but do me a favor. Uh, sell me your birthright. Now, understand, in, in those days, birthright was significant. The birthright was valuable. The birthright was extremely important. But a strange thing happened. Look how. Now, understanding the birthright, right? I want you to get that in your mind. Say birthright with me. Say with me. Y'all still with me? We're going someplace with this. And watch this. Look at verse number 32. Outside of verse 31 in Genesis chapter 25. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. Watch this now. So what is this birthright to me? Wow. Wait a minute. Understanding. I mean, he could have offered the brother anything. He could have he tried. But, but listen how he, he said, he said, look, I'm about to die. So this birthright means absolutely nothing to me. How do you know Jacob understood the value of the birthright? He understood the value. And, and, the, and, and the Bible says that Esau sold his birthright for some stew. Stew. In other words, nothing wrong with Esau wanting to get something to eat if you're hungry, but there's something wrong if you don't understand the value of your birthright. Your birthright. Esau willingly said, I don't need it. I just give it up. For momentary gratification of his flesh. For momentary gratification because all that matters, right? Isn't it amazing how the devil works that when he's trying to tempt you to come outside of your purpose and your plan, that, that, that he puts stuff in front of you and he blinds you to the reality that's around you. And the only thing you can see is what's before you and I got to have that. And Esau gave it up. Let me know that you as a Christian, you have a birthright. Now understand this as it relates to birthright. We have been blessed and you, you need to read Ephesians chapter 1. We don't have time to read it. But you've been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You have eternal life. Your sins have been forgiven. The Bible says that you and I, as brothers and sisters, we have an inheritance in heaven that will never, ever fade away. But alongside of that, now watch this. Stay with me. Every one of you have something that God is calling you to do right now on earth. There is a birthright. And so when we think about birthright, let's, let's, uh, let's understand this. So when we think about birthright, it is your destiny. It is your calling. It is what God designed you to do. It is your purpose in life. 
It is how God wired you. How many know that's important? Your birthright. What God has for you. And I want you to understand this. And, and, and how many know that there, that there are too many Christians today that are willing to just give up their birthright for momentary pleasure? See, the enemy is always whispering in your ear. Now, y'all know I'm talking about because you're Christians. Say amen. The enemy is always whispering in your ear, just like Jacob said to Esau, sell me your birthright. Go ahead, sell it to me. In fact, um, nobody else will really know. It's, it's nothing wrong with having a little fun every now and then. It's nothing wrong with compromising your walk with God every now and then. How many of you have ever heard that? The enemy whispers to you. And, and, and sometimes, watch this, Christians, it's so easy. We sell our birthright, watch this, for, for sex, immorality, drugs, alcohol abuse, uh, fornication, uh, bitterness, anger. You, you name it. How many know that all of it can threaten your destiny? To take away your birthright. And how many know the enemy is after your... See, you got to understand something. He, he, he just don't want... Listen... If you're saved, he knows you're saved. But what he wants to spend his time doing is make sure that he can muddy your life up so that you're ineffective for God. But I refuse. How many of you with me refuse to just be a figurehead in the earth? I, I, I refuse because I understand that God has a calling on my life. And I understand that God has called me to something great. Everybody in here, you need to think you are great. You, there's greatness on the inside of you. Amen. Greatness. Say it with me. Greatness. Everybody here, there is greatness on the inside of you. That's why the devil fights you so much. Because he wants to get you to compromise. He wants your birthright. He wants you not to fulfill the purpose by which God called you to, and by the way, which will make you most happy. You will only be most happy as a Christian when you walk with God. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. You won't, let me tell you, you can have all the money, you can have all the stuff you want, but let me tell you, your happiness is defined by you coming in sync with what God has for your life. Boy, that's good. That's a good word. I mean, when, when, when you really understand, let me tell you, when you really understand that there's destiny and there's purpose on your life, you step back and say, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. No, can't do it. Because God has a work to do in my life. And so too many of us, too many Christians in the body of Christ, we don't realize. Now, I want to go back to this thing where I talked about the plan. The guy has a plan for your life. Understanding that God has charted out a course. And that everything in your life is tied to that. And when we get off course, when we allow the enemy to lure us away, how I many you know we lose, not only lose our effectiveness, but we leave a poor testimony? And gosh, I don't want that to happen to nobody. You know, in a fit of anger, you can get mad and completely lose it and find yourself in a situation where you can forfeit your destiny by acting in anger. You can make a choice. I mean, you're seeing the stuff on TV, and you look at that stuff, and you think, man, how, how could people do? I mean, I was listening to the other day a cyclist, right, well-known cyclist. I'm like, wow. It's the times that we're living in. Now, watch this. Now, how many know, ever heard of Joseph? Everybody know a little bit about Joseph, right? Turn with me, to, turn with me if you will, to Genesis chapter 39. 
This is one of those messages that you take and you put on your iPod and you keep it for a long time. It may not get you shouting and jumping, but it's going to be truth that's going to lead you for the rest of your life. If you listen carefully, this will help you. I promise you, it'll help you. Everybody here knows what Joseph went through, amen? I mean, Joseph sold into slavery, abandoned by his family, abused by his brothers, staged his death. He ends up in a foreign land, don't know nobody, and he finds himself in a place totally unfamiliar with. Totally. And God somehow, in his sovereignty, is with Joseph, even through all of that. Now, I want to say this to you. How many know that, that you got to learn how to live with difficult situations? See, there are too many people that give up when it gets hard. Let me tell you something. Christianity ain't for wimps. Can I say that? It ain't for wimps. I'm just, I'm just going to be blunt. Can I be blunt with you? Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to walk with God, you got to walk with God. you got to learn how to walk with God even when it gets hard. Because even when it gets hard, God is still working. Even if, if, if you're going through a difficult period right now in your life, you need to stay the course. Look at your neighbor and say, stay the course. Because God is working. you got to believe that. I mean, I'm going to show you in a minute. Joseph believed that. How could he do what he did and not be bitter? And not be angry? How I many of you would have went through a fraction of what Joseph went through? We would have threw in the towel. This Christianity stuff ain't working. This, this ain't working, brother. I mean, I've been trying to walk with God. Man, I'm getting locked up. I'm getting thrown in the jail. I mean, people lying on me, and I keep getting thrown. Where's God? Where? I mean, God, where are you? <laughs> look at, look at uh, Genesis chapter 39 and start reading. We're going to start reading in verse number two. I'm going to do this fast. The Lord was with Joseph. Say that with me. The Lord was with Joseph. Let's say it. Say it one more time. The Lord was what, with Joseph. And he was a successful man. But look at his life. Think about his life for a minute. <laughs> he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Watch. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. See, I can go through anything in this life. All I got to know is that the Lord is with me. That's all I need to know, brother God. God, I know this is hard, this is painful, this is difficult, but one thing I got to have, I got to know that he's with me. Because if God is with me, I'm right where I need to be. I mean, I don't, I don't need to self-inflict the wound, hallelujah, but I just need to walk my walk. And whatever comes my way, if God is with me, I can do it. That's why Paul said it this way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many know he meant the good and the bad? We like to use it in terms of the good. But Paul used it in terms of the bad. Paul said, if it's real bad, I can endure that too. Because I know that God is with me. And you got to understand that God has a plan, there's a purpose, there's a birthright for you. And you must understand that just because it gets hard does not mean that God has left you. Somebody say amen. amen. You got to believe that in your soul. You, got, you can't even blink on that issue. If you blink for one moment, you'll go back on God. You've got to be confident that I'm going through this, but God is with me. The Bible said, so Joseph found favor in his sight, served him. How many know you need to serve where you're at? Then he made him overseer of his house. Watch this, brother. 
and all that he had put under his authority. This is Potiphar's house. Joseph, a servant, now he's being blessed. So it was from time to time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. Why did God bless the Egyptian house? Because Joseph was there. How many know that wherever you go, <laughs> because you there the place ought to be blessed. Ah, uh, y'all don't, don't want to help me this morning. The, the, the place want to, listen, wherever you go, if you're walking right, come on, if you're walking right, your place ought to be blessed, and where you show up ought to be a presence of God. I mean, sick to the point where people feel it before they get next to you. Not a religious kind of thing, but just the presence of God all over you. Somebody ought to say amen to that. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. And, and watch it. And the blessing of the Lord was on all. Everybody say all, all. That he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Talking about Potiphar. Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything. How many know he was a good servant? How many know the people of God ought to be good servants? You ought to be a good servant on your job. You ought to be the best. You should have the best attitude on your job. You should represent your king good. You don't talk back to your boss. You don't run your mouth. You shut up and do your job and do it with a big smile on your face. And represent your God right. If Joseph can do it, you can do it. Because he had every reason to be mad. Amen? Every reason. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, watch this in verse 7. Mm. Now I'm going to go back to verse 6. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Watch this now. And it came to pass that after these things that his master's wife cast, watch this, longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. How do you know? That was a rough demon. That was a demon with no holes barred. I mean, that was a demon that just, they, no, look, come on. Now, I'm sure that the woman was fine. I'm sure that she looked good. I'm sure that she, along the way, was trying to gain his attention, amen? So Joseph is being blessed. He come, how I many know Joseph been through a lot? And God just keep on blessing the brother. And, 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 but, but, but how many know the devil is always after your birthright? And he comes out of nowhere. Lie with me. Give it up. Steal, lie, cheat, do whatever. Come, lie with me. Your birthright is not all that important. How many know that God had a plan for Joseph? <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Look at this in verse number eight. But he what? Refused. <laughs> he refused. And said to his master's wife, look, look. My master does not know what is, what, what is with me in the, in the house. I'm sorry. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. But there is no one greater in, his, in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Mm -mm -mm. Because 
You are his wife. Now listen to what he said. Now it seems like he's just all talking about Potiphar right now, right? But listen to how he closed this thing. How then can I do this great, this great wickedness and sin against who? Stop right there for a moment. You see it with me? Say amen. amen. In spite of all that Joseph went through, the pain, the heartache, the rejection, being abandoned, being abused, being lied on, cheated on. He said, I can't do this great sin. I can't do it because I can't do this wickedness before God. Not, he didn't say, I can't do this sin because I don't want to get caught. He didn't say, I, didn't want, I don't want to do this sin because, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to disappoint anybody or, or I don't know who is watching. He, he, he didn't say that. What he said was, I can't do this wickedness in the presence of God or sin against God. Which tells me that that brother knew that he had an inheritance. Amen. That he knew that God had a plan for his life. That he understood that he was going places. Listen, I'm sure he don't know how, he don't know why, but he could sense that God was with him. And he says, I can't do it. Can't do it. You look great and all of that, but you know what? I cannot do this. And guess what she did? Threw the boy in prison again. She screamed, she hollered, rape. Lied on him. Now, how I many know Joseph could have just at that moment said, look, this is, I can't keep doing this. But you know what? He knew he did nothing wrong. See, at the end of the day, you got to know your, you got to walk in your integrity. Amen. Uh, uh, he knew he did nothing wrong. His heart was clear. He knew he, he knew he had obeyed God. And, 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 and you know what? And he served God faithfully. Now, here's the thing. We don't have time to go there, but watch this. You know where Joseph ended up at, right? He was, watch this. He was the second in command, the vice president, the prime minister of all of Egypt before it was all said and done. Now, how in the world does God flip a thing like that? With everything that he went through, somehow God had in mind. Watch this. God had in mind, I'm elevating you to a high place. Joseph, I know it looks hard right now. But boy, I'm taking you if you walk with me, if you stay with me, if you do what I tell you to do, I'm taking you places. Hallelujah. Joseph, the Bible says that Pharaoh didn't know anything. He, Joseph ran the whole country. He ran the whole country. And why? Because God made a promise to Abraham. He said, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God, in his sovereignty, said, I'm going to raise up me a Joseph. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to set him in Egypt. And I'm going to make him be the second in command so that there was a famine that was coming so that Joseph can go and save the seed or protect the promise that God had made to Abraham, by the way, which happened to include you. <laughs> in Abram, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You are blessed with faithful Abraham. You are here today because of a promise. This story got you all over it. God had you in mind even then. But what would have happened if Brother Joseph decided that I'm going to have a little fun? 
What would have happened if Joseph would have said, you know, I'm going to toy with my birthright a little bit. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step outside and just, you know, nobody sees, nobody knows. I mean, Joseph could have did that, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody, he could have just made his little, did his little thing. And, but the problem was God to see it. And, 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 and maybe he would have never got to where he was. And I'm convinced had Joseph decided that he was going to walk away from the calling and the inheritance that God had for him. Now, I want to ask you a question. What do you think God want to do in your life? You see why the enemy tries so hard to tempt you to walk away from God? He tries so hard to get you to give up, to do stuff and make dumb decisions because all he, he sees something. He, he knows something that God is doing something in your life. Don't you understand? That's why he got at Job. He got at Job because he saw the blessing of God on him. And the devil want to get at you. Don't think just because you're cute, the devil just wants you. It's about your inheritance. It's about your destiny. He want to steal your name. He want to steal your reputation. He want to steal what God has for you right here, right now. I want the full measure of what God has for me now. Everybody say full measure. Now jump on over to Hebrews, chapter number 12. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Now Hebrews chapter 12, run over there, run over there. Hebrews chapter 12. It'll make you think before you do something stupid, wouldn't it? It'll shake you up. Hallelujah. Don't do it. I just feel a need just to say this. I don't know what it is, but, but the devil been tempting somebody. Don't do it. Whatever it is, sex, drugs, don't do it. God just sent me here to tell you this morning, don't do it. Your birthright is at stake. Your inheritance is at stake. Don't do it. Some of you have been fixing to tell your boss off now for a couple of months. Don't do it. <laughs> Some of you have made a choice that you're not going to forgive somebody. How many know that Joseph had to forgive? And Joseph forgave his brothers, which why God blessed them. Some of you make it, I ain't going to forgive that. Then you know what? I'm telling you, you're messing with your birthright. You're messing with your inheritance. You better do it. You better. You, God has something good for you. Oh, my God, are y'all hearing this? Amen. Look what he says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's start in verse number. I'm sorry. I said uh, Hebrew. Yes, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's start in verse number 12. I'm so excited I can't get there myself. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down mm. and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace. And look, look he's giving them an exhortation. With all people. Ain't that amazing? Pursue peace. Don't learn not to be argumentative with everybody. Amen? Learn not to be fussing. Every time you, you, know, you ever meet people like that, every time you turn around, they're always in an argument. You can always tell when that person around, because every time they're around, there's always commotion. Don't be like that. Amen? The Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers. Hallelujah. For these are the children of God. Now watch. He says in verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How many of you know there's a grace on your life? Yes. 
lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Root of bitterness, unforgiveness. And by this, many, it's interesting, he didn't say a few, he said many will become defiled. But then, look, he goes back to our boy Esau. Watch this. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like who? Esau. What did Esau do? Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Whew. I want you to hear this. This is a, this is a warning to the church. He lost something. He said Esau, he said, first he called Esau fornicator because he was, see, a problem with Esau was, Esau had a problem with the Lord. That was, that was Esau's issue. And the Bible calls him a fornicator because he was unfaithful to God. And called him profane because he sold what was precious. He sold what was precious for a piece of bread. How many know that, 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 that what God has for you is there's nothing more valuable than your eternity, your spiritual inheritance? He sold it. He gave it up. Don't give it up. Don't do it because it doesn't measure up. You have all that you need. You have what everybody else is looking for. Come on, church. You have it all. He said the meek shall inherit the earth. And the Bible says that, 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 that Esau, if you go back and read the story, you go back and read it. When Jacob got ready to, uh, when Israel got ready to bless his boys. Watch this. When, when, when he got ready to bless his boys, um, Esau cried because he, you know, he had lost his birthright because he sold it. Oh, Father, please bless me. He lost it. Jacob went in there. Jacob was slick, but Jacob wasn't no dummy. Jacob said, <laughs> the birthright's important. See, how I many know you need to understand that what you got in Jesus is precious? Precious. And you need to guard it. He sought it carefully with tears. He wanted to get back, but, 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 but he lost it. And, and every time we do something like that, we lose something that we can never get back. Um, this is a, see, what we must understand is, see, it's low, it's ghetto Christianity. This is what I call ghetto Christianity. Ghetto Christianity is when you live your life in such a way, you just see how far you can push the envelope with God. You just live your life in such a way to see that all you want to do is just talk about God's grace, but you, but, but the, 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 you don't want to repent. So you just want to live good enough so, so that the God is just, God is just, keep acknowledging you, and, and, and you're shooting low. You're not living to your full potential. There's some Christians that live that way. They just keep doing the same stuff and saying, the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. Oh, where are you going to get off that page? We already know he's great. Why are you going to keep living like that? Come on, lift up your eyes. Come on, we need to get out of that. See, Brother Jacobs, um, come here for a second. I can't come over there because the speaker's going to go boom. But if I looked at Brother Jacobs, and I want you to be honest with me, he don't, I haven't talked to him, but I said, Brother Jacobs, um, 
I want you to meet me uh, at my office tomorrow um, because I have an inheritance for you for a million dollars. A million dollars. Brother Jacob say, what are you going to say? What time? Right, what time? I'll meet you there, right? Now, Brother Jacob's come over there. And instead of me giving Brother Jacobs the million, I give him half a million. What would you say to me, Brother Jacobs? What happened to the half you tapped me or something? Would it be safe to say that you want all of your money? Indeed. You didn't come for half a million. You're supposed to get a million, right? Mm -hmm. How many you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And y'all know how to do it. When somebody, you lend somebody money, oh, you know how to, where's my money? See? Do you want all that God has for you, or do you just want half? You see what I'm saying? I don't, we don't need to be settling for just, you know, to know I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And keep coming back to the altar, bringing up the dead stuff all over again, just keep repenting of the same thing. I mean, no, it's time to grow up. Amen. It's time to get moving. Because we, listen... I want the full measure of all that God has for me. Thank you, brother. Give him a hand clap, please. Watch. Now, look. I want you to think about this. This, this is, I'm closing. I want you to go home. I want you to really think and pray. And I want you to think. I know this is hard for some of us to, to do this. So imagine this. But the reality of it is, is that the death ratio is one per person unless Christ comes back. Amen. It means that everybody's going to have to die at some point. I mean, to die is to live, really, but you understand what I'm saying. What, when people walk by your tombstone, I want you to think of this. What do you want it to say? What do you want people to say when they walk by your tombstone and they look at you and they say, brother, sister, so-and-so, what do you want it to read? Write that down. Because for you, that's your level of success. And watch this. Because that's the legacy that you leave. And that will help shape you and help you walk right and fulfill your calling. When you, and, and I want you to write it down. I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it. This is what I want people to remember me as. And let that be inspiration and motivation for you to live right before God. Because you know what? At the end of the day, nothing else matter unless I know that I did what God told me to do. It don't matter. I mean, you really? I mean, nothing else really matters to me until I know that I fulfill my call. And, and you got to be passionate about it, and, and you got to be so passionate about it that you got to start just checking the stuff out of your life that's just getting in the way of that. And everybody in here, if you really look closely, there's some things there that, that you, can, you need to shift around. Say, so you know what, what God is doing in my life, I can't afford to be doing this and that. I, 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 because my birthright is at stake. My birthright. Live your life to the fullest. And you know, when you hear that, a lot of people think it just means that Joe have a great time. How many know that? I've been to enough parties in my life. <laughs> Ain't no great time. How many know that the old world stuff, it leaves you empty? It just does. A great time to me is doing the work of God. A great time for me is fulfilling his purpose and enjoying it. Amen. I ain't sweating. I ain't mad about coming to church. I ain't mad about serving. Talked to your brother last night. He said, man, I'm just glad, just glad to serve. Good. 
Do God's will for your life and then love it. Just love it. When you go have a blast, go live for God. Go reach for the stars. Don't do low-life living ghetto Christianity stuff. But say, say, Lord, you called me to something great. And like Jesus said, he said, I had a baptism to be baptized with. And he said, he said, I am consumed until I accomplish it. Nothing else. And when you get that, when you understand what God is doing in your life, I mean, you know, it'll make you walk right. It'll make you think. That's God's exhortation, exhortation to each and every one of us today. Bow your heads. God, we, we are awed by your presence. And God, will you please forgive us? In fact, some of us, the Holy Spirit has convicted you. You know, the altar means change. Whenever we talk about the altar, it simply means change. So when we ask people to come to the altar, it is a way of testifying to God. Not just to yourself, but to God and to everybody else that you heard the word of the Lord and you're ready to make a change. You heard God's word and you're saying, Lord, ready to change. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I want to give everyone in here an opportunity. The Holy Spirit has convicted you this morning that there's been some things that you've been like Esau in some ways. You've been just, just giving away stuff. Nobody wants to know what it is. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about it. And you're, you're saying today, Lord, I hear your voice. Will you come up to the altar today before the Lord and acknowledge? Come to the altar. Don't worry about who's beside you. If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, come to the altar this morning. And we need to pray. As a testimony. And as your commitment to God. That you fully intend to walk with him and allow his purpose to be fulfilled in your life. The Holy Spirit has convicted you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to come up. And I believe that there's a special grace for anybody that does. The reason why we ask you to come to the altar because you remember that every time Jesus ever called anybody, he called them out publicly. He always called them publicly. It's a public confession. And the altar is here for you to change this morning. Is there one that would say, Lord, I've been flirting with my destiny. Maybe you haven't given in, but you've been flirting with it. You've been entertaining it. This is a good time to come up and reaffirm and reaffirm what God wants to do in your life. Today, if you hear his voice, don't, don't reject him. Just do what he tells you to do. Just do what he tells you to do. I'm going to wait a moment, and I'm going to pray that God speak to you and you do what he tells you to do.
Father, you know the heart of every person in this room. God, I sense in my spirit that there were some that should have came this morning. But for whatever reason, Lord, they chose not. Pray that you would still extend mercy and grace. And help all of us, Lord, to see, Lord, that you are for us. And God, you are committed to our success. And God, we, I pray for every person in this room, including myself, that you would give us the strength and the grace to resist the temptations of the wicked one as he will come to try and derail your people. Mislead us and pull us in a way that is not right. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would extend grace to us, everyone under the sound of my voice, God. God, our destiny is at stake. Thank you so much that you love us, Lord, and that you purpose for us to be great in the kingdom. We're great because of the blood of Jesus, Lord. Help us to live out and to walk out, Lord, what you've called us to do and to be. God, we don't want to do anything, Lord, that will threaten the good life, the high life. <laughs> it's a good life, Lord. It really is. And we love you so much. We love you so much. We thank you. Let's stand to your feet, will you please? Hallelujah. Come on, give God a praise. I hope we have been giving you some things that will help you in your journey. You know, I um, I have a passion for each and every one of you. I have a passion for the ones who are even not here yet to see you fulfill your ministry, your calling. I'm committed to that. And I need you to help me help you. And so when I call you and I ask you, I'm always thinking of you. You're always in my prayers. Because I believe that there's something on the other side of your struggle, whatever it is. And there's purpose in it. There's purpose in it. Diva, there's purpose in it. April, there's purpose in it. You gotta understand. There's purpose. There's purpose. God hasn't forgotten nothing. He hasn't forgotten not one thing. Not one thing. There's purpose, and God is gonna get glory if you stay with Him and you keep serving. And don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt. Don't flirt with your birthright. Every time the enemy whisper in your ear, every time he say, "Hey, sell me your birthright," you reject him. Say, no. I'm not. If you got to slam your head up against a wall and knock yourself out, do what you got to do. But don't do it. Amen. Amen. Brother Steve, come on out and, and close us. In spite of what I'm going through. Hallelujah. You're my God. Come on, church. Give God some praise for the word today. Powerful word. Powerful word. Come on, church, let's pray to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for 
allowing us the opportunity to come out here today and worship you and give praise to you and hear a word and a message from you, Father God. And Lord, we also pray that you please empower us by your Holy Spirit to not give over our birthright to the worthless things in this world, Father God. We pray for your strength, empowerment, and just overall encourage us, Father God, to, to walk with you and remain in your will, Lord. And we pray for you to please bless each and every one of us here, Father God, and bless those who couldn't come, Father God, but wanted to anyway. And Lord, we, we, we pray for you to bless each and every one of us all the way next week until we return right back here into your house of prayer and worship you some more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All the people of the church said, Amen.